podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Tina, you fat lard, come get some dinner. Tina, eat. Eat the food. Eat the food! Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. that blames his hammer, you know. Whatever. You're apexing too early. You're apexing too early. I'm apexing at the apex, bitch. Don't be telling me how to drive and shit. You couldn't drive a two-button elevator. You couldn't drive Miss Daisy. Whatever that means. You couldn't drive a short bus full of slow kids to the zoo. Yeah, because I'd be too distracted by you. You'd be sitting up front in your special helmet trying to hump my leg on account you couldn't drive Thelma and Louise off of that cliff. Apex! I can't apex more than I'm already apexing! You drive like a blind guy with no legs. Dude, you, you drive like my dead grandmoms. That's disrespectful. fishing on a giant goose looking for food you got this you're gonna catch us fish for dinner we're all gonna eat like kings tonight and you're gonna make a tv show that's gonna change the entire world okay i believe in you you can't just give up when someone believes in you if you could do anything with your life what would it be forget me 
Forget the cable access. What would you do? Once upon a time, I thought about being a trumpet player. That was right before we left on this trip. I bought a trumpet. <laughs> that was in your purse? Yeah. Just in case I ever get the guts to give it a two. Well, what are you afraid of? I'm scared I might be too good at it. I'll have to leave you. Well, then you become a famous trumpeter and you leave me behind. It's okay. If you want to play the trumpet, go ahead. Lip up. Give that thing a toot. Okay. Okay. I watched a ton of videos on how to do it. It's a good start. You play that trumpet. I'm going to catch you some fish. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's right, Major. You did. I lied. And we're here for Entertainment Landfill. Woohoo! Yes, we're back. Hello, everyone. I am here with Stephen the Pop Culture Zealot. I am here? Yes, you are well, here, hello. sir. How are you, sir? This is episode 315. Our last episode was September 16th. So it's been a while, but we're back. It's basically been a month. And, you know, we had a good track record going, but we're back, Stephen. We're here to talk about film, television, pop culture, things that haunted our nightmares as children, and all yes. sorts of things like that. <laughs> it's so good to have you here, Stephen. Thank you. It's good to be here. And uh, also, if you guys heard this little cool stinger at the beginning, like this is a podcast, a member of Pod Syndicate. I wanted to talk to you guys about Pod Syndicate. We are podsyndicate.com is a website where you can find other podcasts. Basically, Entertainment Landfill, Stephen and I were invited to a new podcast network by Noel Meller, by Michael James of Chinstroker vs. Punter. Also, you'll find podcast Film Bastards on there, his film, her movie, What's on Tap, Beyond the Neon, and like I said, Chinstroker vs. Punter. We're there with those guys on that website. We're part of a a group of... A very, pod syndicate. Yeah, a pod syndicate <laughs> of very talented podcasters, and they asked us to be a part of it. And I was like, yeah, because you know what? I've heard of pod networks yeah, you, before. You sent me the link saying, showing me the email that they sent you. Yeah, I said, and hey, I was, what do you, I was like, what do you think? I was like, it's awesome. Let's do it. Yeah, Why let's not? do it. You know, I'm sure you already were going to without my 
<laughs> I waited to hear what you had to say, Stephen. Like, uh, no, doesn't sound good. No, no, no. We should avoid these guys. No, they're awesome guys. I, <laughs> these guys my... are bad news. <laughs> <laughs> they're fantastic. What's funny is now I'm on like a, a WhatsApp thing with them where I can talk to them. Oh, cool. At any time. And uh, it's pretty cool. But uh, I wrote an article on there all about the Witcher Book Club. And uh, I post new shows there, new episodes as we uh, put them out. I also participated in an article, Films We sh- Never Should Have Gone Back To, which I kind of visited that uh, Wayne's World 2, yes. like how Mike Myers had to rewrite, rewrite. it within two weeks or whatever. Uh, so it's really cool. Hopefully, you know, I think of some kind of article to write in the future. I've kind of got some ideas about some. Uh, but this is fun, man. It's going to be awesome. I'm excited. You guys, bookmark wearepodsyndicate.com. Try out those other podcasts. I think you'll dig them. These are cool people. And it's nice to belong, man. Belong to some uh, other podcasters. There's nothing better. Podcasters are the best when you're a podcaster, making friends with other podcasters. Yes. It's really cool. And uh, I want you guys to visit that. I, I'm proud of it. And you know, it's funny is uh, just kind of, I didn't think I'd be able to write an article that fast, but I did. So uh, I think maybe I need deadlines. <laughs> I mean, we wanted it by Monday. So I got that Witcher article done. <laughs> I mean, fairly quickly. I wasn't say. even sure what I wanted to say. Basically, I wanted to say with the Witcher book club is that hey, this is why I'm reading it. Maybe you'd like to read it too. Uh we just recently put out the fourth book club episode and now we're up to the I'm reading the fifth book, Stephen. Can you believe that? Four mm. books within like 2 months. Yeah. Like reading you're it just, fast. You're on a tear. Definitely. And I'm, I've just started uh, the, the fifth book, which is called Baptism of Fire. I started that like two days I'm ago. I'm still stuck on the first book. <laughs> I've worked so much, you know. Uh, I think I told you that one week I had like 80 hours. The next week I had 70 some odd hours. You need I just the, have had zero time. Do you? Are you allowed to have... And then uh, maybe the, you need communication all the times at your work. Or can you wear like earbuds while you're working and play music or listen to an audio book while working? Sometimes. Uh, just that depends on... That might be the on, way to go. Just audio book playing in your ears, you know? Just depends on what's going on. If I'm sitting in the data closet working, I could do that. Out on, you know, out on the floor doing other things, probably not so much. Cool. Because I have, I do, will set up and listen to my music and when I'm uh, building out a, a, a data rack. Yeah. When you don't have to have somebody yelling in your ear or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Cool. Sitting there with a nice AC blowing on me. <sighs> ah, good times. <laughs> but, you know, I'm excited about the Witcher Book Club because I'm having a good time with those books and those characters. <laughs> Like, Ross and I have really fallen in love with the characters. It's just cool to know that, like, hey, when I finish this book, him and I will get together and talk about it and kind of just have a good time joking around about it, you know? Yeah. Good stuff. So keep an eye out for Baptism of Fire. Uh, Like I said, I just started reading it. I'm not done yet. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm excited about Pod Syndicate. But, Stephen, we have a voicemail from Ken Preventure. And I don't know if you remember this, but... 
I'm going to record a Ghostbusters 2 show with him mm-hmm. very soon. So I need to get my act together. I've been very like caught up in The Witcher. I need to get into the Ghostbusters. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So let's hear what Ken has to say about all this. Well, hello, Entertainment Landfill. This is Ken calling from the SoCal area. And um, I am all caught up. I'm caught up with all the Entertainment Landfills. And usually I keep one or two episodes in the backlog because you never know when these things are going to come out, right? So you want to save them. So when you need them, you've got new stuff to listen to. Actually, I do have new stuff I haven't listened to yet. That's the Witcher Book Club, the the previous two recordings done with Ross. I listened to the first one after I read the, or I should say, I listened to the audiobook of the first collection of short stories, um, which was a, a lot of fun. And the podcast was was great. I enjoyed listening to uh, Jason and Ross talk about the Witcher. But I'm actually going to read, I'm reading the second book now, The Sword of Destiny, and I'm uh, really enjoying it, liking the dragon, liking the backstory. Uh, and, um, you know, I'll wait till I'm finished reading it to get to that podcast. Um, but anyway, uh, update on my preparations, or should I say my training for what will be the Ghostbusters 2 Mini. I, I am I am stepping up the training. I am now, you know, I, I, I am now getting uh, to the heart of the matter here. Uh, I listened to an audio book of the book... Um, Called uh, called the Tao of Bill Murray. Oh, wow. I don't know if you know this book, written by Gavin Edwards, and uh, and it's it's about Bill Murray as a as 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 a as a person uh, in the world doing odd things, and uh, and you may have, you you may know about his the way he likes to That's show up so at things, like he'll show up at a bachelor party and just give a speech, uh, and then and then weave in a. And he would he would do things like uh, someone on the street will say, "Hey, it's Bill Murray," and Bill Murray would say, "You mother effer, get over here! I'll bite your I'll bite your ear off!" And then he'll grab the guy and actually wrestle him to the ground and start biting his ear off. You know, this is a story told by Ivan Reitman, who then just said to himself, "Oh, I guess you can do that." Well, that's Bill Murray, and I'm seeing Ghostbusters two in a kind of a new light with this, um, just focusing on Bill Murray. And maybe we, maybe I can reframe that movie a little bit to make it seem better than it has been seen. Like, don't think of it as a sequel to Ghostbusters. I think that's a little. That's it's it's just too much pressure to put on Ghostbusters two to talk about it as the sequel to Ghostbusters one. How about we'll look at it as part two of a trilogy. A trilogy of Bill Murray movies, uh, which began with Scrooged, and then Ghostbusters 2, and then Quick Change, which is all about Bill Murray learning to become a nice person. Uh, <laughs> I get, maybe that doesn't sound too good either, but uh, but anyway, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So hope you uh, hope you're doing great. I'm looking forward to the next show, and uh, talk to you later. Take care. Bye. Ken, thank you so much. That's so cool. You're reading The Witcher too. And uh, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about Sword of Destiny. But uh, this is a question about Ghostbusters 2. Do I need to, like, write a thesis or something? Yes. Do I need to, like, analyze the film? Like, here's what this movie is about. I need 2,500 word stat. (laughs) (laughs) Single spaced. College rule. I don't know if you knew this, but I I actually uh, put a trap door into... My house, right where you're sitting. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Uh, I lied. Uh, not really. There's no trapdoor there. So come back, Stephen. Here's our I'm go. back. <laughs> but anytime, Stephen. <laughs> no, Ken, I am going to prepare this week for Ghostbusters 2. I've got, uh, I'm going to get some reading glasses, Stephen. I'm going to uh, microscope. What else do I need? Uh, reel-to-reel recorder, like, you know, the old-fashioned kind. Mm-hmm. Dictate notes, that kind of thing. And most of all, I'm going to get a portrait of Vigo for my wall. Nice, yes. And yes. hang it in the living room and just kind of stare at it. So I'm going to be prepared. Now, Stephen, we also have another voicemail. This one from... Adam Sexton! Let's check it out! Oh, maybe I will by myself. Hello, Entertainment Landfill crew. This is Adam Sexton sending you a voicemail. I'm happy to see that you guys are recording tonight, and uh, it's been too long since the last episode, but uh, you real life intrudes. You got to do what you got to do, and I've got to send finish this uh voicemail pretty soon so i can get back to work so here we go first off uh i am impressed jason uh that you and ross have uh continued progress on reading the witcher books and talking about them through the witcher book club uh podcast and uh i have recently bought all available titles in the series uh for my nook tablet reader haven't started on any of them yet but uh i I am looking forward to start starting them soon so I can listen to your discussions and hopefully send you some uh, voicemail for that uh, series of uh, shows. Oh, I look forward to it. Uh, secondly, Jason, uh, congratulations on becoming part of the pod syndicate. I don't know if this extends to Stephen at all. Maybe it's just for the host creators of each Stephen podcast. But uh, uh, like a, we texted each other about this last night about the article in which all the hosts posted their what what is their uh candidate for a movie that they enjoyed when they were young but is aged poorly you chose wayne's world 2 uh others chose like the goonies or uh someone chose uh uh what's that was that one film dunkirk uh I don't didn't agree with that, but um, <laughs> I, I think you made some great points, and uh, I think there's there's parts of it that are funny, but as a film, it's it's it it's not really that good. So uh, so anyway, I look forward to reading more articles, and hopefully, this increases the profile of uh, ETL, brings in more listeners, and gives us. Uh, gets the attention of other podcasts including in the syndicate and uh that's what we're supposed to do as a community of sorts uh i don't really have a whole lot of questions about uh recent podcast topics because it's been too long since an episode I, i think i've forgotten what you guys may have talked about recently i haven't seen anything new uh i plan to go uh see some movies this weekend since i finally uh, have a day off, and uh, I think I'm probably going to go see, work up the courage to go see It Chapter 2. Maybe I'll just go see The Joker, just to see what I hope of is about, uh, but my I'm setting my expectations really low for that. Uh, the third choice may be Hustlers or Downton Abbey. I don't know. The, the pickings are very slim oh, yeah, right now. Hustlers. But uh, other than that, I've been playing uh, plenty of games, uh, 
Destiny 2 at the beginning of this month recently became a free-to-play uh, title for PS4 and Xbox One. You can play the base game in the first three expansions. The fourth and fifth you'll have to pay for separately. Oh, wow. But it's it's a great game. Uh, I, I've never, never had any problem with the game mechanics. Game. It's just the story wasn't involving. There wasn't a whole lot to do in terms of uh, mission variety or game mode variety. And I think on Destiny 2 they finally figured it out. So anyway, I've been playing that, and of course, uh, Gears 5 uh, and Diablo 3. So that's what's been taking up my time uh, so far in terms of entertainment. I'm trying to work on the next solo episode of The Past and Pending. I thank you for your support of that, and it was a pleasure of mine to play the great uh, promo that uh, Adam Howard made for ETL, and as well as the promo for the chin strokers podcast so um Thanks, with that said i gotta finish this and get back to work but you guys were uh, i wish you luck on tonight's episode looking forward to hearing when, when the podcast gets released take care of yourselves uh, and i will check you later bye all right thanks adam uh you take care and uh I haven't got to play any games lately because i know that i need to keep reading and doing the book show and podcast stuff, and uh, I'll get sidetracked. Now, there is a game coming out soon that it's going to be very hard not to play. I, in fact, I want to play it. And that game is called uh, Jedi Fallen Order, coming out in late uh, November. And that I'm going to definitely play, but hopefully I'll finish it within you know one week and um, be able to move on quickly. I haven't seen any movies lately, but I did see a film on Netflix, and I'd like to talk about that next as we do entertainment! Yes, sir. Entertainment. I watched El Camino, Stephen. Oh, yeah? A Breaking Bad movie on Netflix last Friday, and it was very exciting. I think Melissa watched it last Sunday. Was she? Uh, did she watch all of Breaking yes. Bad? That's great, because I was going to say, you guys ought to watch that together, but she's already seen it. Yes. Uh, or watch it again, because it's such a good show. Vince Gilligan wrote and directed the El Camino movie. Nobody. Breaking fan, <laughs> Breaking Bad. He, you know, he uh, created it and he wrote it with a group of writers and stuff. But I've uh, read that he wrote and directed this himself. You know, he showed it to the other writers and stuff. But he did this himself, and it's a fantastic send off for the character of Jesse. The way Breaking Bad left off. I mean, you don't really. You kind of wonder. Hey, I wonder what's going to happen to him, and you don't really know. But I guess it's something that kind of he thought about all this time. Right. And here it is. And it's so well done. It's so great to see Jesse again. But it's especially great to see Badger and uh, Skinny Pete. I'm just... Uh, I did have a smile on my face. Except for the 10 scenes. You know, like when it first starts and it's those two guys. I'm like, oh, I love these guys. You know. And then, of course, the intensity creeps into it but that's what i loved about breaking bad the show not only was it so well written so well acted but it was also so intense you never knew what the hell was going to happen and also 
It was so funny. It had such a great sense of humor also. You were always laughing. You know how like you're it, something is really intense and then something funny happens and you laugh like oh, like I needed that kind of yeah. moment of brevity. That's what the show is and uh I loved and you know of course Better Call Saul is on right now. I can't wait till another season of that comes out because that's fantastic too. Just everything that Vin, Vince Gilligan is at the height of his storytelling powers right now and it's just the kind of thing where you're so lucky to be able to witness this. There are, are several shots in this that I just think are fantastic. Of course it reminds me of the TV show also uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, the shots kind of recall that, but there's yeah. some moments, just this cool cinematography that I just thought was so fantastic. Also, Jesse Plemons, I got to say, his character in this, he plays this guy named Todd that is so freaking creepy. <laughs> He's so good at playing that character. Uh, I just loved El Camino. And when I was pulling clips just for the intro, I just was sitting there and I started watching it again. And I was like, Oh crap, I can't watch this right now. You know, but I want to watch it again. That's how good it is. I told you about me seeing Jesse Plemons at the airport years ago. right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it was during the, uh, the, the Friday night lights years. Yeah. And I look up and he's sitting directly across from me, you know, and he, I just kind of smile at him, you know, it's like, I'm not going to bug you, but I know who you are. Kind of, yeah. kind of gesture. And he smiled. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, I loved him. Of course, his Landry on Friday yes. Night Lights, but he's always so good. And uh, I just, it's a kind of thing where, like, Stephen, you're lucky. Like, you could start Breaking Bad and watch the whole series. <laughs> you haven't experienced the whole thing yet. Yes. It's a kind of thing, like, it's so good that I wish that I could erase my memory and just start it fresh again. You know how there's some movies that you love and you're like, if only I could watch this again for the first time, you know? I can experience this anew. Now, Stephen, I want to talk about a movie that you watched long ago. I would say something that haunted you your entire yes. life. I will say my young life. Yes. It's something that you've talked about over the years since I've known I, you and you've described and I've asked you if you've known about and this. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Basically, yeah. you mentioned this creepy doll movie. Yes. I remember you saying, "Yeah, it's this creepy doll." And you described it to your father to see if he knew it. And he was like, "No, I don't no, know." No, he came back with something called Devil Doll. Yeah, and that's like And yeah. I, when I looked at that and I'm like, "No." What's funny I don't is think the title so. of this you could never find based on like the, the doll the, what's going on in it. Because you found out today what it was. Accidentally completely accidentally just stumbled it's, on it it's called trilogy of terror it's this uh, richard matheson creation it was a primetime scary movie in 1975 yes it wasn't like a theatrical film, i right? was a tot yes what did we figure uh, out you were seven years about old seven years old this. when i saw this and it was three stories and this was the third one to close out the whole thing yes and What's so funny is I've heard you talk about this for years, and I didn't know what it was. And when you told me you found it, and you posted a picture on uh, Facebook, and I was like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> but I was like, uh, I wonder if this was on YouTube. And of course, I looked on YouTube, and there it is. And yeah, you can yeah. watch it. There was a link in the little thing that I sent you. Yes. And so at 7.30 my time, I watched this thing. <laughs> 
Well, I today I was like, there's no way this is scary or anything. This is going to be funny watching. <laughs> this it. is a stupid seven year old's yeah. memory. Yeah, this is so funny. I'm going to watch what scared Steve when he was a kid. This is going to be cute. And I was watching it, Stephen, and I was like, Jesus, this is scary. Not only is this scary, it's creepy as hell. It's disturbing. And, and I thought I was a little older, too. I, I mean, I thought I was between 8 and 10 when I saw this. And it, and it may have repeated the next... I, I may have been a little older, but... Right. If, if I saw it that year that it came out, if it didn't repeat, then I was... About seven. Yeah. You were definitely... It was the kind of thing that... I was ahead of my time. Just watching it now, <laughs> like, I could see this is nightmare fuel. Yes. It's uh, it's funny, because on MeTV, they had an article, Let's Not Forget Trilogy of Terror was the scariest TV movie of all time. <laughs> Who's still frightened by the Zuni warrior doll? Basically, this lady is Karen Black, the actress. Yeah. She comes home. She's talking on the phone with her mom about this doll she got at some weird shop. For her nephew. And I thought it was her boyfriend or something. No, I, I was thinking, if I remember, she got it for... It's I like swore this, it was for her nephew, but I, you know, I and could it's be. like it's like you know this warrior and it inha- the soul of a warrior inhabits the doll. Oh, that's cute, kind of a thing. The and little gold bracelet around its waist keeps, keeps the, the soul, soul locked from, in. Yeah, keep, keeps the doll from coming alive. Right, right. But she doesn't think it's just a goofy thing yeah, with yeah, this yeah, doll, yeah. and she puts it out. And of course, when you look at the ring, you're like, Jesus, why would you buy this for anyone? <laughs> it's hideous. And she's talking to her mom, who sounds like very overbearing. Yes, you know, mom, I'm on my own now. You can't tell me what to do kind of thing. And so she sets the doll down, and she's going to go take a shower and get ready, or bath and get ready for dinner or whatever. And the chain falls off of the doll. It's like, done. Yes. Like that. And so she comes back in there, and she's in her robe, and she's like, what? Where'd the doll go? And she's looking around, and she slides her hand under the couch and she's like ow and she's cut herself on something and by the way when i watch this i i can picture young sam raimi watching this as a kid because i get some (laughs) evil dead vibes from it yeah the way the camera's like going through the apartment you hear that yeah like that that sound alone was what triggered my brain (laughs) this morning it's like that's the dull picture of it is like that could be it then I watched it and I heard that noise. I'm like, this is it. That's the one. This is it. And what's funny is the way it starts out is uh, she realizes the doll is alive. And she's like, this can't be happening. And you hear, you know, like it's kind of like Gremlins vibes. But it's not until, and it's kind of creepy and stuff, but it's not until it just outright attacks her that it becomes super scary because it's really fast. And it's really savage. Yes. And as I was telling you, like, uh, this might be racially insensitive the way the doll looks. Because it's like this aboriginal warrior, like very extreme features with a spear. And I'm like, eee. These is giant, kind of, uh. super sharp teeth. Yes. And um, it comes at her. It's like, ah, and it's stabbing her in the feet. And she's like screaming yeah. and trying to run away. And the thing will not stop. She goes and hides in her. She goes to her bedroom and shuts the door. And all of a sudden, she's turning the doorknob, and it hop, you know it comes in on the doorknob. And she's like, ah! And he comes up on the bed. So she runs away again. She hides in the bathroom. And, and all you see is the little knife under the door yeah, trying to like, stab at her feet again. And you hear that. 
Yeah. And it's trying to get her. And by the way, there's blood on her because it cut her really good in the leg. Yeah. And this is, you know, 1975 prime time. You're a little kid. You're watching it. And she's got blood on her. It's yeah. pretty scary. And then you see, you know, every bathroom door has a, like a little push in lock. All of a sudden you hear it going. And all of a sudden the door goes. Clink! It like picks the lock, and it goes. Like, ah! <laughs> and she grabs a towel and wraps it up in the towel, and starts trying to drown it in the bathtub. And this is where I'm getting like a Evil Dead vibe too, because you know Evil Dead can be scary, but also ridiculous too. Yeah, She's yeah. wrestling with a doll and drowning it in the bathtub. <laughs> like, uh, it's like it's a doll. It doesn't breathe air, does it? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> So she, uh, it's alive, but it's not alive. Yes. So she runs away and you see it pop out of the bathtub. Like, "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) that was so good. And she hides in the closet and he's trying to get in again under the door. (laughs) And I think this is a part where you talked about before as a kid. I mean, not as a kid, when you were a kid, you, when you were describing the movie to me, I remember you saying there's a part where it's like in a suitcase and cutting its way out of a suitcase. And that memory was like ingrained in your head, wasn't it? Yes. Because uh, she opens the door and she goes, ah, like she's tricked it. She opens the suitcase that runs right into it and she closes it and locks it and throws it down. Then all of a sudden you hear, and he's like sawing a little hole in there. (laughs) And as a little kid, were you just like, oh, you can't stop it. It's going to kill you. It's funny. I saved it on that spot right here just so you can see this part. Just to hear what it sounds like. And you hear him breathing. That's so creepy. And she tries, and to, she grab. tries to grab the blade, but cuts herself. She could have put on a mitt, oven mitt or something, huh? That it's super fast, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they actually show it running like like real quick shots of it, but then the camera takes over, camera point of view of it going through the apartment. That's what reminds me of the Evil Dead. And as I was watching this, I was like, I totally see this scaring the shit out of Steven now. This is he's got a good reason. This is scary. And again, I I think I told you I was about ten the first time I saw it. You know, mm-hmm. so he's like, I think I was about ten. Yeah, you know, now and now I realize I'm three years younger, so it's even. That's why it's even more ingrained. Do in you know my, if you saw it with scary, any of your siblings? I think I sat and watched it alone. Oh my god! It's like, yeah, I'll just check this out. You know, that's so funny. Yeah, I don't remember watching it with anyone. This is a perfect like Halloween type of thing to watch every year because it's freaky, man. I gotta see the <laughs> ending is where it gets a little ridiculous. I want people to watch it, though. Everybody seek out Trilogy of Terror. The, mm. the third story is called, what is it called? Amelia? Amelia, yeah. Yeah, watch that. I want you guys to see the ending, but it's good. There's a great part where she calls the police, and she goes, help, help, it's trying to kill me. Where are you? I don't know where I am. Yeah, she goes, where are you, ma'am? And she goes, I don't know. Like, <laughs> she's like... I can see you being so frantic, this doll's trying to kill you, that you can't remember anything. Like, yeah. I don't know where I am. It's just trying to get me help. <laughs> There's a great part. That's very Evil Dead 2. It grabs under her hand. It's biting her, and she, like, swings into a lamp. <laughs> I, I want to read about this. Maybe Sam Raimi has said that, hey, a huge influence on me was uh, 
trilogy of terror. <laughs> but I mean, it's great. That's like a. I couldn't imagine like Emma's seven years old. I'm like, I want to show you something. <laughs> You're gonna love this, and just like, what are you doing, Jason? No, no, no. This like, is how did my parents let me watch this? Yeah. But it that was a lot of fun. Now, let me ask you this. What was scarier, this or It Chapter 2? Because you saw that. Oh, this. <laughs> Trilogy of Terror. Trilogy of Terror. I got to say, Are as, you I was, kidding me? as I was watching this, I it was like. It scares me now. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm weirded out by this. As I was watching it, I was like, oh. And I was like turning down my headphones lower and lower. Like, that thing's going. Like that. Uh, I was just like, uh uh, but also, I thought it was brilliant at the same time. Can you? I wonder. Like, I wanted to read, but I didn't see like parents calling the station the next day. You scared the shit out of my children. My kid can't sleep. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you people? They'll never sleep again. Uh, we were tougher back then. Yeah, good times. Uh, can you imagine going to the school the next day and telling kids, "Guys, did you see that doll movie?" And they're like, "What?" And you're like, "Oh my the god, Zuni warrior's gonna kill me." I got to see more about this. I got to read more about this. All right, Stephen, what do you say we get into what's on our Roku's and talk about some TV shows? Yes, let's, let's do, it. do it. All right, Stephen, what's on our Roku? Oh, Stephen, watch out for that hole right there. Now, Stephen, have you been watching any new shows? Let me climb up out of this hole real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I any new several. shows? Have new. you watched Batwoman? No. It's Gotham City, but I'm like, Vancouver. <laughs> so much. Uh, I've watched that. I've enjoyed that. I think Ruby Rose is good in it. I remember when she was cast, people were like, oh, she can't act. I think she's great in it. I think the only thing holding the show back, honestly is the production values. I mean, it looks like Vancouver, right? Yeah. And it's an origin story, so it's showing how she becomes Batwoman. And I don't know if it's comic book accurate, because the comic book character of Batwoman, I don't know her story. But when you're watching a show like this, you have to wait for her to find the Batsuit and finally put it on yeah. and go through trial and error and stuff. So I've watched the first two episodes... And that stuff has kind of happened, but I'm just ready for her to have her normal suit and just fight crime every week kind of thing. Yeah. I don't need an overly drawn out, like... Uh, you don't need the whole uh, Gotham, bat, uh, Bruce Wayne is a child story. <laughs> yeah. They've actually, flashbacks, they've had her child story in this, and they do flashbacks that encountered Batman. For some reason, Bruce Wayne left, and no one knows where he is. <laughs> and it's funny that, like, Bruce Wayne left, and so Batman has been gone for years from Gotham, so the criminals are running rampant. But it's just like, wait, Bruce Wayne disappeared, Batman disappeared. Probably, yeah, it's just a coincidence, yeah. right? Yeah. But it turns out she's a cousin of the Waynes, so she's a cousin of Bruce Wayne. I also watched uh, Nancy Drew, the first two episodes of Nancy Drew. What's funny about that is uh, I've always been a fan of the original Nancy Drew. The you know she solves crimes and stuff. She's a little kid. This is like a new sexier, scary Nancy Drew. Stephen, it's got paranormal stuff. It's got like 
jump scares for some reason. Zuni warrior scare? (laughs) No. No? But here's (laughs) here's how I knew this isn't my Nancy Drew when I was a kid, because the first scene is her doing it. She's having some sex. I was like, oh, my word, and I changed the channel. (laughs) But I was like, no, I'm a little intrigued. I'll go back, and I turned it back. And uh, what's funny is it's filmed in scope, like it's letterboxed on the top and bottom, uh-huh. like a theatrical film. And I've seen stuff like on Netflix, TV shows be like that, but nothing on the CW before. Right. So on this show, they're like, we got style coming out of our ass on this show. <laughs> and I got to say, I don't know who the girl is who plays the woman who plays Nancy Drew, but she's good. The rest of the characters, not as intrigued, but her dad is Scott Wolf. And if you've oh, seen yes. Scott Wolf, he looks just like he did in Party of Five. He's probably, what, 40-something? Yes. He still looks like he's 20-something, and he's her dad. It's like, he could do he, he didn't gray up or anything. <laughs> he hasn't. Maybe he's dying his hair. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's her dad. And I'm I'm going to keep watching that. I think that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, I guess. Also, uh, what's some other shows? Already two cancellations. The new Jimmy Smith's Lawyer show. NBC is going to play it out, though. They're going to let you keep uh, watching it, but they're not going to order any more episodes. I'm trying to think. What is a show that I've watched? uh, Tried out All Rise, the Lawyer Judge show on CBS. That's about what you think. It's a procedural but mainly, I'm just waiting for the Witcher TV series to come out in December. <laughs> they haven't announced, Netflix has not announced a uh, a premiere date, but I have heard rumors through my, uh, you know, my hookup, Stephen, that we will get a new Witcher trailer on Halloween, October 31st. So I am excited for that. Because, you know, The Witcher involves monsters and stuff. So, hey, it could be Halloween. Yes. He actually goes after a possessed doll. So I'm really excited about <laughs> <laughs> I could see Geralt of Rivia. He's standing there and that doll's like, ah, and he's like, oh, shit. And he just turns and runs away. He's like, oh, hell no. It's Kennedy. <laughs> Nancy Drew. Yes, she does a good job. And I'm waiting for the Hardy Boys to show up because you know the Hardy Boys are going to be hot. It's CW, right? These are going to be some good-looking mofos and uh, stuff like that. I don't want to get too weird. but (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Remember Sean Cassidy back in the day, Stephen? Man, Parker Stevenson, (laughs) which was hotter, though, you know? Do you remember, did you watch that show, Nancy we'll Drew? defer to your wife on that one. <laughs> Who played Nancy Drew? Because she was uh, really cute. You know, as a little kid, you're just like, she's pretty. And uh, I believe her and Parker Stevenson had a fling, but they would solve mysteries and stuff together. And that's all I want as I watch this. And I'm like, oh, but there's got to be ghosts and stuff. Why are there jump scares in this is what I want to know. Yeah. It's like a Bloomhouse horror movie or something. <laughs> And to help me out, uh, Heather, what's another show I've been watching? Perfect Harmony Harmony with uh, (laughs) Jessica, for some reason, thought Parker Stevenson was hilarious that I said that. (laughs) What was that second one? Uh, Bradley Whitford, he's like uh, coaching or whatever you call it, of a church choir. That's funny. Oh, Stumptown with Kobe Smolders, which she plays a detective, Stephen, on ABC. 
That's pretty good. I'm enjoying that. That's based on a comic book. Pamela Sue Martin from the 70s. Ah, Pamela Sue Martin. And she has a cameo in the first episode. They like go to a fortune teller and that's her. And I was like, she looks familiar. Oh, that's the original Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Nancy Drew. (laughs) Nancy Drew Barrymore. (laughs) Drew Barrymore had nothing to do with Nancy Drew, just so you guys know. But, uh... I'm sitting there going, what was her name? So she had been much older playing a teenager in the 70s because she's 66 now. Yeah, you know how it was. They're teenagers, but they're like 29 years old. Yeah, they're 30 years, 35. Oh, yeah. Walton Goggins, you know, from Justified. He plays a widower who's back on the dating scene. uh, I've read good things about that one. It's funny. It's got a great cast. Michaela Watkins. And Stephen, I want to talk a little bit about, I'm going to move my, what is, uh, what's streaming this weekend that you could check out because it makes sense if it's in the TV section, what's on your Roku, don't you think? Yeah. Now the first thing would be living with yourself. It's premiering on Netflix and it's starring Paul Rudd. A man emerges from a spa treatment to find he's been replaced by an improved version of himself. This looks pretty funny. And also his co-stars from that funny show on Hulu. Yes. I like that actress a lot. What's her name? Get back to me. Also, Looking for Alaska on Hulu. A limited series from Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage of the OC. Also, Josh Schwartz co-created Chuck, by the way. Comes this adaptation of the john green novel which focuses on a teenager who falls for a girl named alaska this sounds right up my alley steven nothing better than teen teen, drama teen drama drama teen unrequited love and stuff like that aisling b yeah what's her show called this way this way up on hulu yeah that's a great show everybody should watch that it's good if you guys like um What's that show called? (laughs) (laughs) No, no. If you guys like Fleabag, you'll like that show. Okay, the next show is on Amazon Prime. It's called Modern Love. Ah, Steven. Anne Hathaway, Tina Fey, John Slattery, Kristen Milani, Brandon Victor, Julia Garner, and Dev Patel star in this rom-com anthology based on the New York Times column. Ah, Steven, if you're into romantic love, you should check that out. You know I am. Also, Stephen, tonight on the blacklist, Aram goes undercover to gain access to his secret Aram. society. Aram. <laughs> Aram goes undercover to gain access to his secret <laughs> society of thrill seekers. Katarina tries to insinuate herself into Liz's life. Oh, Katarina, come on. Yes. Liz doesn't need you p- poking around in her life. Am I right? That's her mother. And also, on this week's Charmed on the CW, Stephen, Macy tries to make sense of some vivid dreams. Mel and Maggie's bond is strengthened by a personal loss. Aww. Mm. Stephen, on Hawaii Five-O, Five-O turns to hacker Aaron Wright, returning guest star Joey Lawrence. Whoa! <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, gotta oh, love Joey Lawrence. <laughs> You know what's funny about Joey Lawrence for a long time? I'm glad he finally... Joe Lawrence? Joey's uh, gave in to that he was losing his hair. For the longest time, he had paint on scalp. Yes. I don't know if you saw... He had, like, paint on uh-huh. stubble. And he would wear a hairpiece. And it was obvious he lost his hair. But finally, he's just like, screw it. I'm going to shave it, man. Just be on camera with the shaved head. Whoa! 
Yeah, I'm going to do that too. Sid and Judy, a Showtime documentary. 50 years after Judy Garland's death comes this new film that fuses the unpublished recollections of her third husband, producer manager Sid Loft, with film clips, rare concert footage, and Garland's right. own inimitable words. Ooh, I got that word out without messing it up. I know. Also, Stephen, on CBS, Magnum P.I. That's right. I actually watch Magnum P.I., Stephen. Mm. Just one of those p- procedurals. I think it's because I fancy myself being a P.I. one day, preferably in Hawaii. I think I would dig that. Magnum and Higgins assist Katsumoto with a potentially dirty cop, while Rick and TC help L.A. Rams defensive tackle Aaron Donald find a tablet. Okay, what? <laughs> and Stephen, on the Pop Channel... Is it called the Pop Network or Pop Channel? Pop TV. Pop TV. TV. Hot Date, season two finale. Murph and Emily have a fight. Bridget goes into labor. (laughs) My brother watches that. He loves it. (laughs) Really? I've never even heard of it until right now. Van Helsing on Sci-Fi. Axel must reconcile with Vanessa and come to terms with Scarlet's death in the wake of an epic battle. (laughs) That's cool. I definitely want to check out Looking for Alaska, and that Paul Rudd show sounds pretty funny. So I'll check that out. So, Stephen, what do you say we take a break? And when we come back, we're going to do some DVD videos. Sure. All right, guys. We'll be back in 10 Ten minutes. minutes. Whatever that means. Mr. T will return after these messages. <laughs> Want a zoo full of fun for lunch? Zeroni! We love it a bunch! Good fun for you, good for you too! Zeroni, Zeroni, we munch! Animal shaped pasta from Chef Boyardee! Yummy tomato sauce! Cheese! And pasta shaped like us! Elvin's meatballs! Delicious! And nutritious! Zeroni, Zeroni, we munch! Zeroni, with or without meatballs! A zoo full of fun that's good for you too! Shark Camaro, Avenger Competition Mustang, Sabertooth Tiger Datsun CX. They're powered by your fist, and if you want to race in the dark, you turn on just one switch. Each sold separately, AAA battery not included. Lighted Slam Shifters, Slam Shark Camaro, Avenger Competition Mustang, Sabertooth Tiger Datsun CX. Each sold separately from Ideal. You like the 1980s, don't you? Of course you do. We all do. But have you ever wondered why that decade was the way it was? Have you ever wished there was somewhere you could go to get past the usual day-glow sentimentality? To try and understand 1980s pop culture in a more social, political and historical context? Because if so, it sounds to me like you're ready to go beyond the aesthetics, beyond the nostalgia. Welcome to Beyond the Neon. 
Beyond the Neon is the podcast that dares to pull over the Testarossa, eject the Wham cassette, and take off the Wayfarers. If you're looking for retro reviews of Back to the Future, The Goonies, or John Hughes movies, you will not find find that here. If you're looking for top 10 lists of A-Team episodes, Nintendo games, or Stranger Things references, you will not find find that here. If you're looking for long, boring introductions, Squarespace ads, or Patreon begging, you will not find find that here. Because Beyond the Neon, we do things a little differently. In each documentary-style episode, I look at one area of 1980s popular culture and break it right down. And each episode features academic insight, guest contributions and interviews, as well as clips plumbed from the depths of the 1980s cultural void. Well, YouTube, mainly YouTube. To help illustrate the wonderful, perplexing, terrifying, joyous and utterly thrilling world of 1980s pop culture. Beyond the Neon might not be as regular as other 1980s podcasts, but that's because Beyond the Neon isn't like other 1980s podcasts. Subscribe to the the show today and check out all past episodes by visiting beyondtheneon.co.uk. You can imagine they're from another world. Mighty robots disguised as mighty vehicles. You can pretend only you and the friendly robots can save the Earth from the enemy robots. You're trapped, Turbo! They hide among us as earthly vehicles, but you can change them into robots, each sold separately. Take this, Psycho! Now who's trapped? Gobots. Leader One, Turbo, and Psycho, each sold separately. New from Tonka. Alfie, the bees are missing from alphabets. Nancy McEvil again. Get him, Alfie! Post-alphabet cereal. Part of this nutritious breakfast. It's doggone good. on Fun Club games and each specially marked box of post-alphabet cereal. Catch 8 is enough. Weekdays at 3 o'clock on 30. Boy, I wish the Crunch Island treasure was mine. You can win a thousand dollars of it. A thousand dollars? Just check the treasure chest in specially marked boxes of Cabin Crunch cereal for a coin that says you win. I won. I'll give you a thousand dollars to save or buy something special. Or treat your family. I'll get it. For free treasure coins, write Treasure Hunt, Box 789, Young America, Minnesota, 55399. Chance to win is about 1 in 56,000. Hmm, nice tip there. The Force is back. The Rebels won't tire till they see the last of the Empire. And Kenner's there with Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Now for a quick escape on a speeder bike. New speeder bike. You have to put it together. Action figures each sold separately. Now, I've got you now. Open speed flaps and meow. I'm going to crash. Biker Scout, you're not all you're cracked up to be. New speeder bike. Action figures sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. The collection. Each in really cute outfits. You can collect them one at a time or in sets. And pretend to play ball with Simon. But you know what's best about him? They have funny little faces. The Chipmunk Collectibles. Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. Sold separately or in sets of three. New from Ideal. Have you ever wondered 
what so-called family films will scar your kids forever. Put, putting four and five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like, if they didn't know what death was before all this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one is a cold, dead heart? Yeah, the Dark Knight has got like, all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film, Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing High C Beach and Jerry in the Drink Box. They're so cool and so delicious. That's why you love High C. Monday. Nasty Boy. These boys are good. Based on real cops. Good and nasty. In a real life drug war. gets mean. These cops get nasty. Showtime. We're out. Nasty Boys, the movie, Monday. Big League 2 Baseball Bonanza. In the big leagues. Instant winners, 500,000 prizes. Game cards and specially marked pouches of Big League 2. The man-sized wads of great-tasting shredded bubble gum. The free game cards write the Big League Jew, P.O. Box 1604, Hicksville, New York, by December 1st, 1984. Contest details on specially marked packages. One in 39 will win the Big League Jew Baseball Bonanza. Oh, it's a Big League Jew. Yeah, Rancor Monster's hungry again. Let's feed up. Don't do it. Luke Skywalker, Gamorrean Guard, new Rancor Monster and Rancor Keeper action figures, each sold separately. You regret this. Willie gets his claws into a Jedi Knight. Whoa, some jaws. This is my only chance. He's wounded. We better get in there. He'll never get out alive, Gamorrean Guard. New Rancor Monster. Action figures each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection.
return to Mr. T. Tina down a hole. I hope you had a hell of a piss, Arnold. I don't know what part that came in, but okay. <laughs> Napoleon is way too mean to Tina. Whatever that means. Now, guys, what do you say we do some news? Disrespectful. Yeah, I know. It's disrespectful to put a trap door there. Steven, Sam Raimi and Columbia team up for a horror thriller. That's right, Sam Raimi, one of my favorite childhood directors. Mark Inspired Swift, heavily by, by Trilogy, of, Trilogy Terror. of Terror. Mark Swift and <laughs> Damian Shannon will write the script. That's right. Those guys. Sam Raimi is going on an island getaway. The director is reteaming with his Spider-Man studio Columbia Pictures. Oh, give me a break. With a Zuni warrior dog. <laughs> Mark Swift and Damian Shannon, who wrote 2009's reboot of Friday the 13th. Oh, wow. That brings me confidence. Will write the script based on their original idea. Raimi will direct and produce via his Raimi Productions. Details are being kept far from shore, but sources say this project is being described as misery meets castaway in tone. Now, if you don't know what Misery is, Misery is the Stephen King novel that's centered on an author who suffers a car accident. I can't believe they're padding the story, Stephen. And what also, do you mean you can't believe? You, we read this all the time. Castaway was a 2000 drama which starred Tom Hanks as a man struggling to survive after being stranded on a deserted island. The project was due to hit buyers Wednesday and Thursday, but once Columbia heard that pitch, man, they scooped it up. I am thrilled to be reunited with Columbia Pictures and reteaming with Sanford and Ongi, said Ramey. I don't think he said that name that way like I did. I have been a fan of Shannon and Swift, and we have found the perfect adventure to share with the world. This film will never see the light of day. All right, Zombieland 2, Stephen. The original I know you've script, been waiting for this one. Yeah, I can't wait can't wait to get to Rotten Tomatoes, but the original script included a Ghostbusters reunion. That's right. Screenwriters Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick included a scene that included Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Ernie Hudson. Bill Murray is just as synonymous with Zombieland as the core cast of Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Abigail Breslin. So when the Zombieland Double Tap screenwriters sat down a decade ago to dream up a sequel, they wanted to find a way to keep Murray in the mix. Okay, do you? Uh, that's a spoiler if you've never seen Zombieland that he's in it. Originally, in the sequel, they had planned 
long ago, which they were sitting around a table and it was probably handwritten on a steno pad. Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and Ernie Hudson got Bill Murray out on the golf horse and were trying to convince him to do a sequel to Ghostbusters. Dan Aykroyd becomes a zombie and attacks Bill and there are golf carts going in the lake and golf clubs being swung at people. Joe Pesci also would have been involved, but the scene no longer worked by the time the film went into production because Ramis, the beloved actor known for playing Egon in the Ghostbusters films, died in 2014. And in the intervening years, a third Ghostbusters reboot became a reality. A new installment set in the continuity of the original is also coming next. Okay, Jesus, stop padding the story. It was really fun, but when the passage of time with anything else... So basically, this is an idea they had... The film 10 years ago, this movie didn't get made, but they can talk about it now, and it becomes an article, Stephen. And I just read it on the show. It becomes material for our show. It becomes fodder for us. Yes. By the way, Bill Murray had a lot of funny stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor for a time. <laughs> okay, Stephen, whatever. He's hilarious. The Batman cast Paul Dano as the Riddler. What? Matt Reeves is directing... The Robert Pattinson... Um, okay, Matt Reeves is directing Robert Pattinson in the film. He plays Batman. And now here's the article. Filmmaker Matt Reeves has found his Riddler for the Batman. Paul Dano has signed on as the classic villain. Warner Brothers announced on Thursday. Dano's version of the character will be named Edward Nashton. The man who in the comics later goes by the name Edward Nigma. And it, I really hope in this Matt Reeves Batman, they show a flashback to his parents being murdered because we haven't seen that enough in film. So I got it. What Better happened to his it. parents? Uh, they were in a car accident, I think. Okay. Frank Gorshin and John Aston played the villain on the 1960s TV series, while Jim Carrey played him in the 1995's Batman Forever, which was directed by Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher also directed The Lost Boys and Flatliners. It's like, what? Who cares? Well, the article is not about Joel Schumacher. Robert Pattinson is starring as Batman with Zoe Kravitz, set to play Catwoman, who is also the daughter of Lenny Kravitz. Oh, okay. Jeffrey Wright on board as Batman ally Commissioner Gordon. Jonah Hill was at one point eyeing the role, but he was never cast, so why is this part of the article? I don't know! Dano was recently nominated for an Emmy for his role on the Showtime limited because I series get paid by the word Escape at Danamora and the actor directed, co-wrote and produced the critically acclaimed 2018 film Wildlife. His other credits include Love and Mercy, Prisoners, also 12 Years of Sleep. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> there will be blood, <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine, Youth and Oakjaw among others. Batman was created by... Oh, Jesus, come on. Okay, I'm moving on. <laughs> All right, here's an interesting story. 20-year-old with the super bad inspired identification is facing numerous alcohol-related charges. That's right. Iowa police recently arrested a 20-year-old man in a bar with a fake Hawaiian ID under the name McLovin. And, of course, Seth Rogen thinks it's hilarious. Daniel Alfredo Burleson, 20, of Des Moines, faces numerous alcohol-related charges, according to the Iowa City Press Citizen. Burleson's fake ID was inspired by the 2007 comedy Superbad with Seth Rogen, in which he co-wrote it. Christopher Mintz-Plasp also played Fogel, a.k.a. McLovin, who obtains a horrible fake ID to buy booze for a high school house party. 
My work here is done, Rogan said Wednesday, sharing a version of this news story on Twitter. Burleson was found to be drinking in a bar, and when it's escorted out by police officers, he refused to show his ID. Finally, he showed them the McLovin card, according to the newspaper. The faux McLovin told officers he bought the ID on Amazon. <coughs> they retail for about $15. Burleson faces public intoxication under the legal age in a bar, possession of a fictitious license, and possession of alcohol while underage, according to jail records cited in the newspaper. He's also wanted for murder. <laughs> My God, but it's a funny story. He's got a McLovin ID, Stephen. <laughs> By the way, Seth I Rogen... Like it's like he... he it, it, at the beginning, it makes it look like he created the McLovin. Then it says, oh, you can buy this for 15 bucks on Amazon. Yeah, he just had it in his wallet. Probably with his real ID in there, too. Yeah. That's what he showed him because he was so drunk. Also, Stephen, Seth Rogen is an actor and writer who's produced numerous films he write, and TV shows. Did he come up with the McLovin idea? Yes, he did. Okay. No, he shouldn't. He didn't encourage it. He just thought it was hilarious after it happened. Hilarious. He didn't tell anyone to go use a fake ID. I feel like he's unconsciously giving great. All right, Stephen. I think it's time for us to read Rotten Tomatoes. like spell tomato juice. Seems like defective and shit. Yeah, exactly. Defective tomatoes. Let's talk about this, Steven. Steven! Okay, Zombieland Double Tap. Zombieland Double Tap makes up for the lack of fresh brains with an enjoyable reunion that recaptures the spirit of the original and adds a few fun twists. Currently, 64% fresh. Audience score, 93% fresh. Man, audiences are eating this shit up with a spoon. A decade after Zombieland became a hit film and a cult classic, I never liked it. The lead cast, Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Abigail Breslin, and Emma Stone, have reunited with the director, Ruben Fleischer, who did Venom, not a fan, and the original writers, Rhett Reese and Paul Vernick, who uh, wrote Deadpool, for Zombieland Double Tap. In the sequel, written by Rhett Reese, Paul Vernick, and David Callahan, through comic mayhem that stretches from the White House and through the heartland, these four slayers must face off against the many new kinds of zombies that evolved since the first movie, as well as some new human survivors. But most of all, they have to face growing pains of their own snarky makeshift family. <laughs> wacky. Steven, James Barrera Dara Dinelli of Real View says, if you like Zombieland, you'll probably like Zombieland Double Tap. Just not as much. 2.5 out of 4. Fresh. Okay. Michael. Make sure you read a 2.5 out of 4 that's rotten. <laughs> yeah, I will. Michael <laughs> O'Sullivan of Washington Post says, mostly it's just mindless fun. In the exact same way the first film was. Even recycling Bill Murray. 
whose fatal cameo, spoiler alert, as himself 10 years ago was a highlight of the 2009 film. 2.5 out of 4, fresh. Christy Lemire of RogerEbert.com says, But while individual moments and action sequences might be amusing, the endeavor as a whole feels like a tepid retread. Two out of four, rotten. Brian Lowry of CNN.com says, So gross. Not not that there was a pressing need. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. I'm just giving you all I can. Sorry, excuse me, everyone. (laughs) 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 Brian Lowry of CNN.com says, Not that there was a pressing need for a return engagement, but just being able to reassemble the old gang. This once was a reason for Zombieland to rise again. I don't understand any of that sentence. It was taken out of content. Jessica Lowe says, my boyfriend says he was just as freaked out by that doll movie when he was a kid as Steven was. He saw it around the same age. (laughs) Nice. David Jenkins of Little White Lie says, barely passable, wholly unnecessary, one out of five. Chris Klimek of NPR says, for all this snacked on viscera and exploding brains, this low ambition, slightly higher return sequel asks you to stomach... It's Muppety determination to please is even sort of sweet. Okay. It's fresh. Frank Wilkins of Real Review says, A pleasantly enjoyable little comedy action drama romance film that occasionally rises above its lowbrow zombie tropes to remind us that family, home, and reliable friends are often all we need to get by in this messed up world. I give it a three out of five. Fresh. All right, Stephen, my favorite... Brian Orndorff of Blu-ray.com says, Reese and Wernick don't have much to say with their follow-up, which often plays like a series of disconnected sketches occasionally interrupted by zombie attacks. I give it a C, and that's rotten in my book. I'm out of here. All right. Stephen Schaefer of Boston Herald says, This resurrection pales in every way to the startlingly enjoyable original. I give it a C. Startlingly? startlingly enjoyable i think not tony medley of tulican time says totally played for laughs the film picks up from moderately entertaining to much better than average whenever zooey deutsch is on screen did i say her name right or is it zooey dutch zooey the film soars with zooey deutsch who is the daughter of leah thompson brendan and howard deutsch the director Brendan Morrow, former Dallas star, says, All in all, bogged down by familiar plot beats and comedy cliches, Double Tap seems destined to become one of those highly anticipated but mediocre follow-ups that fails to leaving a lasting impression. In fact, I don't even remember what movie I'm talking about. Rotten. Whoa. Steven Peter Sobzinski says, like watching a featurely comp- compilation of deleted scenes and subplots that were shot for the original film. It sucks. Didn't Rotten. somebody just say that earlier? Like a bunch of skits put together? Yep. I can't wait to not see this. <laughs> you you, like, know, you, you saw that? the first one. I saw the first one uh, on TV. Yeah. Never saw it in the theater. Oh, I didn't either. I saw it on I didn't. TV. I thought it was trying too hard. I didn't like it. Turned me off. Let the... Sour taste in my mouth, Stephen. 
I've talked about it. I've ranted about it before. You know, I just, uh, I just, uh, I, I couldn't deal with it. You know, I just thought, you know, could have been better. All right, Steven, we're waiting for Rotten Tomatoes to load. So here's some music. Stephen, what is this the music to? <laughs> you just said Commando. I did? Yes. I said what it was? I think so. Stephen, why don't they just call him Girl George? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on! Right, Steven, I have to go to another site if Rotten Tomatoes is going to do this to me. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. It's like, oh, yeah, well, here you go, Jason. Suck on this. Critics consensus. While it's far from cursed, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, too rarely supports its impressive cast and visuals with enough magical storytelling to justify its existence. 41% rotten. Audience score, 96% fresh. In Disney's Maleficent Mistress of Evil, a sequel, I can't believe they made a sequel to this, to the 2014 global box office hit, Maleficent, Maleficent, am I saying it right? Maleficent. Maleficent. And her goddaughter, Aurora, begin to question the complex family ties that bind them as they are pulled in different directions by impending nuptials. Unexpected I allies. It too. And dark new forces at play. The years have been kind to Maleficent and Aurora. Their relationship, born of heartbreak, revenge, and ultimately love, have flourished. Yet, the hatred between man and the fairies still exists. Aurora's impending marriage to Prince Philip is cause for celebration in the kingdom. I'm already bored, man. All right, let's see. Richard Roper says, We get a classic build-up establishing heroes and villains. Gorgeous, screen-popping visuals featuring beautiful and mysterious worlds, a bounty of colorful and magical creatures, and a lengthy CGI-laden climactic battle sequence. I give it a 3 out of 4. That's fresh in my book. I'm going to chop that tomato up and eat a salad. All right, Charlotte O'Sullivan of London Evening Standard says... The bottom line is that Maleficent 2 takes a brilliant character and doesn't completely bugger things up. Three out of five. All right, I think that's good. Matthew Lacona of San Diego Reader says, Jolie is a star here. Something amazing to behold. An old Hollywood glamour shot to come 
to, well, not exactly come to life, but mobile anyway, one out of five, rotten. <laughs> oh, he didn't have to make that sound. That was gross. Brian Lowry. So Rotten Tomatoes, it's like a, you know, flashboard. You could just click on the button and it makes fart sounds. Oh, okay. Brian Lowry of CNN.com says, as is so often the case, Maleficent didn't exactly cry out for another chapter, but if forced to do one with a sharp spindle pointed at your head or finger, this is about as good as one could have hoped. I liked it. I'm going to kill myself. No, don't do it, Brian. Stephanie Zacharek of Time Magazine says, see it for the inventive elaborate costumes. For tiny, albeit slightly creepy, mushroom people and the miniature fairies wearing dandelion tutus. But don't watch it for the story. <laughs> yeah. It's fresh, I guess. David Mad Dog Bradley of Adelaide Review says, Ultimately, it's too dragged out and uninspired, even by Hollywood's already sloppy sequel standards, and the potentially famous combination of Pfeiffer, Jolie, and Fanning falls oddly flat. I give it a 5 out of 10. Rotten. It's a lot of tenths in that. Yeah, I know. Louisa Moore of Screen Zealot says, When it comes to the unnecessary sequel department, few major studios are able to wring out every last drop of a story or character more than Disney. I'm throwing shade at Disney. 2.5 out of 5. Okay. John Urban and Urban Urbanchik of Your Movie says, much bigger than a nitpick is the trouble that might give anyone with youngsters pause about an otherwise watchable film. That would be the odd violence that comes with the special effects territory in this Disney-produced sequel, 3 out of 5. All right. Daily Mail, Brian Viner says, I would be more circumspect about Maleficent Mistress of Evil, especially if you're taking children, 3 out of 5. I don't know what that means. It was, the context is bad. Peter Canavisi of Groucho Review says, Audiences can't be blamed for turning off their brains and focusing on the aesthetic trappings. And this film featuring a flying protagonist, nothing really lands. <laughs> I think he's falling, Stephen. There he goes. He's dead. That's good. Stephen, were you curious about Gemini Man that came out last week? Gemini? Gemini Man? 25% rot. Gemini Man is an innovative action thriller starring Will Smith, also known as the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. An elite assassin who is suddenly targeted and pursued by a mysterious young operative that seemingly can predict his every move. We already know it's him as younger. We've seen the trailer 15 times, all right? Every time we go to the theater. Kevin Marr of Times UK says, roll up. Roll up. See it now. See it once. And never see it again. One out of five. What is he talking about? What is he referencing here? Charlotte O'Sullivan of the Lovely London Evening Standard says, Obviously, the dialogue doesn't help. But what blunts Smith's performance and makes the film itself hell to watch is the innovative, ultra-high frame rate which renders actors' objects and even the air somehow flimsy, weird, and fake. It looks like I'm watching a soap opera. A bleeding soap opera on the BBC. Hey, how was that, Steve? Because Ang Lee decided to make it for us, what, certain frame rate and yeah, uh, it's IMAX in, It's in only. super high frame rate. It looks like you can walk in to the screen, but it wasn't showing anywhere. Right, that would support that. Yeah. Matthew Lacona, a close personal friend of mine, says, 
The same high frame rate that make the actors look like they're on Days of Our Lives makes the colors absolutely pop. And those textures, textures on skulls in the underground, what's this word, Stephen? Ossuary. Ossuary fight scene, which would mean what? What's an underground ossuary? Like a grave. Oh, it's cooler than the action anyway, a 1.5 out of 5. This is what I've heard several times that... The action and stuff is pretty badass in high frame rate, but the movie is just dumb as a box of rocks. And it's amazing because this script floated around in Hollywood for years, and a lot of directors would become attached to it, then decide, we can't make this. It's unmakeable until technology catches up. Well, technology finally caught up, and it had been written, rewritten so many times that it's just a hot mess. (laughs) Justin Chang of the Los Angeles Times says, no matter how many presumably non-computer-generated tears Smith sheds, he and Lee never transformed this baby hitman into a plausible science fiction conceit, let alone invest him with a soul. That's something I'm going to ponder for a few weeks. I'm going on vacation. Goodbye. Oh, okay, Justin. We'll see you around. Anna Swanson of Globe and Mail says, Gemini Man is a uniquely visually thrilling film backed by Lee's undeniable commitment and ambition. I give it a 2.5 out of 4, and I'm going to think about this movie for the next five minutes and then never think about it again. Oh, okay. Adam Graham of Detroit News says, Like the character at its center, it's at war with itself. See, David Mad Dog Bradley. Why is this guy so angry, Stephen? Why is he such a mad dog? at the mouth. What the hell is a goddamn dog barking at? Hey, shut up, you worthless piece of shit. Oh, don't talk to David that way. The ever amiable Will, made to seem dull and irritating, quite a feat, really. Five out of ten. Where's Jazzy Jeff? Okay, come on. That's a reference. It's so old, Stephen. It's not even clever. Alan, a film threat. Mm-hmm. NG is his last name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alan. Mm-hmm. Adding Ang <laughs> Lee, Will Smith, and several million dollars to production. Million dollars to production. See, it's singular. Lee manages not to ruin the story with unnecessary Hollywood rigmarole. Oh, wow. He used rigmarole. That's the magic word, Steven. That's the magic word. <laughs> you win. You win, Steven. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. Okay, Michael Compton of Bowling Green Daily News says, it's a shame that it never comes together because this visual effects are actually quite good. This visual effects? If only Gemini Man had some substance to go with all that style. It's a D plus. Bennett Campbell Ferguson says, it's time for Lee to remember the compassionate visionary he once was and to be that visionary again, like when he directed films like The Hulk with Nick Nolte. That's, that's right. That's the part I remember about that movie. Uh, yeah. Here's a movie I remember I... giant poodles. What does it say, Stephen, on the screen now when I clicked another movie? This site can't be reached. <laughs> site can't be reached. Okay, here's another film, Stephen. It's called Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. Bong Joon-ho brings his work home to Korea in this pitch-black modern fairy tale. Meet the Park family, the picture of aspirational wealth, and the Kim family, rich in street smarts but not much else. Be it chance or fate, these two houses are brought together and the Kims sense a golden opportunity. 
master masterminded by college age Ki Wu, the Kim children expediently install themselves as tutor and art therapist to the parks. Soon a symbiotic relationship forms between the two families. The Kims provide indispensable luxury services while the parks obviously obliviously bankroll their entire household when a parasitic interloper threatens the kim's newfound comfort a savage underhanded battle for dominance breaks out threatening to destroy the fragile ecosystem between the kim's and the parks wow this sounds like crazy and interesting doesn't it it's got a 99 percent fresh and a 100 percent audience score hmm. let's see what rich robert said about it one of the best movies of 2019, Bong Joon-ho's latest is a film of dramatic power, innovative comedy, romantic poetry, and melancholy beauty. I give it a 4 out of 4, and I do pass go and collect $200. Okay. Who gives him the $200? Does he get it, give it to himself? I think he pays... The, no, no, no. Time- he get it from the, the Chicago Tribune, right? Yeah, Chicago sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes? Chicago sometimes. Sometimes. He yeah. gets her from there sometimes. Yeah, not all the time. Oh. Ty Burr of the Boston Globe says, <laughs> Parasite isn't a monster movie, yet on at least one of its nearly infinite levels, it is. And the monsters are us. <gasps> four out of four. Wow. Oliver Jones of Observer says, Bong, give me one. Because I want again. Hi. Oh, come on, Oliver. That is not cool, dude. Can you believe he would... Uh. I'm just really... Hi. Bong harnesses the precise anxieties every one of us is currently sharing top of that list. The growing income gap and the crumbling planet and uses them to make every scene in this black-hearted comic thriller crackle with energy and purpose. Whoa. This sounds intense, Steven. Mike LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle says, Bong Joo-ho's latest masterpiece is the best film I've seen this year. Four out of four. Luke Parker. So juvenile. (laughs) We got this covered. One of the year's best, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite is an absurdly masterful dissection of division and greed and a thunderously assorted film-going experience. I give it a 10 out of 10. Wow. I would hate this movie. (laughs) Pat Padau says, like a blood-sucking creature that can't let go, the movie is patient and relentless. But unlike its namesake, the parasite is hilarious, gory, and in the end, movie... Wait, gory? It's the first time I got that from any of these reviews. E. Tammy Kim says, Parasite is a marvelous, marvelously tense, propulsive film of sharp angles and smells and cold light. Well, Stephen, that sounds interesting. What do you say we get into some DVDs? Sure. All right, Stephen, let's do some DVDs! Let's 
hell yizzle the DVD dizzles. Oh, thank you very much. Oh my goodness. I believe in you. Oh, thank you. All right. Waited till after I sang the song to drop me down the wheel. (laughs) Steven, October 22nd are when these Blu-rays come out. That's next Tuesday. Is it? The first film is, is it? Is it? (laughs) First time director AJ Eaton brings us David Crosby. Remember my name. I think I remember reading about this. Maybe not. I don't read. Cam and Crow. For a, oh wait, here we go. Let's start over. First time director AJ Eaton teams with producer Cameron Crowe for a look at the eventful life and career of the Birds and Crosby, Stills and Nash member. A member. <laughs> Interviews between Crowe and an entertainingly cantankerous Crosby from the bulk of the film through the through. Though they are supplemented <laughs> by some less successful animated recreations of moments from Crosby's life, nevertheless, name appears to be a must-see for fans of Crosby's work, according to reviewers who praised the doc as insightful and moving at its Sundance debut earlier this year. Stephen, are you a fan of You need the, the little Crosby bouncing balls so you know how to read. <laughs> yeah. Stephen, are you a fan of Crosby, Stills, and Nash? Um... I, they're okay. I mean, I'm not a fan. I don't dislike them. What about The Birds? I, that one song, Time Life Books? Yes. Do every day. Turn, turn, turn. Order Time I Life Books. I do love the Time Life Books. A time to be born. A time to die. <laughs> Order now. Good times. All right, Stephen. The Lion King. Yeah, that's right. It may not be necessary or even very good, but the Disney's but Disney's laughing all the way to the bank. The latest in a seemingly never-ending string of live-action remakes of Disney's animated classics. John Favreau's almost entirely CGI reimagining of the beloved 1994 film earns points for its cutting-edge visuals, even as critics found the results rather lifeless. Hey, buy it anyway. Still, it grossed over $1.6 billion worldwide. That doesn't mean it's good, so reviews seem irrelevant. James Earl Jones reprises his role as Simba's father. Mufasa and Donald Glover voice voices Simba. Wait, Mufasa and... Oh, wait... Other cast members <laughs> Other cast members include Chuatel Ejifor as Scar. I said his name correct. Alfred Woodard as Simba's mom. Sarabi. Beyonce as Nala. Simba's friend and love interest. And Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner as Pumba and Timon. Hukuna Matana. The soundtrack features new versions of Circle of Life. I just can't wait to be king. Hukuna Matana. And can you feel the love tonight as well? As an updated score from Hans Zimmer. Wait, what did Jessica just say? She said, why is there a cricket sound at the end of that scream drop? Because <laughs> he falls at night. <laughs> He's falling at night. <laughs> That's what's left, just the crickets around the hole. All right, Steven, I don't know if you've heard about this film. It sounds pretty freaky. It's called Bloodline, starring Sean William Scott. <gasps> Evan values family above all else, and anyone who gets between him, his wife, and newborn son learns that the hard way. 
But when it comes to its vi- his violent tendencies, it seems the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I don't even know what that means. The sun but, is violent, too. Oh, okay. It's scary, <laughs> Steven. <laughs> I think they get his I love it. I lost my place. Glad I found that. Me too. Great. And I have nightmares tonight. I'm so <laughs> glad you found that, Stephen. <laughs> uh, let me look for something else that sounds interesting. Oh, this sounds good. Yes. It's called Satanic Panic, which, you know, is something that existed in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone? <laughs> All right. Um,. Sam's first day as a pizza delivery driver is not going according to plan. At the end of a long day and not enough tips, her last delivery turns out to be for a group of Satanists looking forward to someone to sacrifice. Now in a fight for her life, Sam must fend off witches, evil spells, demonic creatures, all while trying to keep her body and soul intact. Starring A.J. Bowen, Arden Mirin, Clark Wolf, Hannah Stocking, Haley Griffith, Jeffrey Daniel Phillips, Jerry O'Connell, sign me up. It also has Jordan Ladd and Rebecca Romaine, who is his wife, right? Yes. This sounds awesome, Steven. This movie is just plain fun, is what it says. It's a great line Great review. That'll get you to... Steven, did you ever watch the TV series to Nosferatu? I I haven't. uh, I've watched like two episodes of it. I have it all on my DVR to watch. Good or terrible? Um, I got no... It's not terrible. Like I said, I I don't know about from two episodes what I can get. It seems okay. Good or terrible, Steven? Fair. I'll give it a C, an average so far. What the hell is wrong with you? It's starring Siler from Heroes. <laughs> yes. Zachary Quinto. Charlie makes his victims end up in an imaginary village where every day is Christmas and it is threatened. Wait, what? Is that really the plot? I... Have you read the book? No, I have not read the book. His victims end up in an imaginary village where every day is Christmas. That sounds awesome. Kill me, man. Oh, wait. He discovers his secret in the supernatural drama based on Joe Hill's novel of the same name. Let's see what kind of critics said of it. Started out a bit slow, but I really liked it. Probably helped knowing in advance that it has nothing to do with Nosferatu. I'm not going to read any more comments. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a a, a Dracula-type of Right, right. He's a vampire. It's not Nosferatu, but... But when he kills you, you go to essentially, Christmas Village. From what I gather so far is uh, Zachary Quinto's character, he ages, but he seal- steals your soul to make him younger. You get older. He takes your soul. Oh, okay. He takes your life force or whatever you want to call it. Well, Stephen, season four of Veronica Mars, which was on Hulu, is coming to Blu-ray. That's right. Veronica is hired to find a killer of one of the victims of Neptune's serial killer who is targeting spring breakers as the fourth season premieres on Hulu. (laughs) Now, uh, my wife and I watched this. And let's just say 
we had a great time up until the end. That's all I'll say. Hated the ending. Okay, let's see. Tone Death, starring Amanda Crew, Annalyn McCord, Johnny Pemberton, Kim Delaney, Ray Santiago, Ray Wise, Robert Patrick. Hell yeah! After losing her job and imploding her latest dysfunctional relationship, Olive flees the city for the weekend, escaping to the countryside for some peace and self-reflection. She rents an ornate country house from an eccentric widower named Harvey, played by Robert Patrick. Soon, two generations collide with terrifying results as Olive awakens Harvey's homicidal tendencies and is plunged into a blood-soaked fight for her life, directed by Richard Bates Jr. Sound interesting, Stephen? Here's what Bobby Lapierre of Film Threat said. I loved the acting, the cinematography, and individual sequences work stunningly. The whole does not equal the sum of its parts. Steven, do the wah-wah sound. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad, but how about this? (laughs) You should finish that. What? The sentence? Finish your sentence. (laughs) No. Okay, Steven... (laughs) The Chambermaid. That took way too long to get it. <laughs> it's like, what? It's uh, The Chambermaid. It's in her feature film debut, theater director Lila Aviles turns the monotonous work day of Eve, a chambermaid at the high-end Mexico City Hotel, into a beautifully observed film of rich detail set entirely in this alienating environment with extended scenes taking place in the guest rooms, hallways, and cleaning facilities. This minimalist yet sumptuous movie brings to the fore Eve's hopes, dreams, and desires. Uh, the chambermaid, Stephen. A.O. Scott said, The film's style is austere. There are few camera movements and no musical score, but its visual wit and emotional sensitivity lifted above the minimalist miserableism that drags down so many well-meaning films about modern workers. As you've seen it, the world looks different. I give it 100. Oh my god, he really liked The Chambermaid. Uh, I will be... Skipping that one? (laughs) I'll watch it if it comes on a channel some time somewhere. I'm not going to watch it, Steven. Angel of Mine, starring Annika Whiteley, Emily Gruel, Finn Little, Andy Serafin, Luke Evans. Hey, finally! <sighs> Luke Evans is in it. Okay, I heard it. Yvonne Strahovski! That's Sarah from Chuck! I know who that is. Numi Rapace. Uh, okay, that's it. I ran into actors I know of. A woman on the edge believes the daughter of a neighbor is actually her own. Nuff said. Buy it now! One sentence synopsis. Nick Allen like that. of RogerEbert.com says... Ferrant's confidence as a storyteller, along with Rapace's full-body performance, am I saying her name right? Enrich the story and guide it towards its delicately bonkers premise. Rex Reed says, Angel of Mine, Rex Reed, good lord. Angel of Mine is a much better (laughs) meld of psychodrama and soap opera than it appears on the surface. 75. Okay. Uh, Here's one more movie, Stephen. Sure. This is strange but true. Is it? Believe me if you want to. The film is called Strange But True. 
starring Amy Ryan, Blythe Danner, Brian Cox, Connor Jessup, Greg Effing Kinnear, Margaret Qualley, Nick Robinson, and Vanessa Burns. Summary. A woman surprises the family of her deceased boyfriend by telling them she's pregnant with his child. Stephen, bum, bum, bum. No, I didn't like that. Let's cut no. that out. Let's edit that out. Edit. And cut. <laughs> All right, Stephen. Uh, Glenn Kenny of the New York Times says, The tale is a jolting one. And the superb players do justice to the emotional distress of the characters. But a sure directorial hand might have yielded more, a more resonant experience. Not that great, but, you know, it's okay. I give it a 70. User reviews. These are my favorite, Stephen. Is this movie a thriller or a supernatural scary movie or a combination of both? It reminded me of the way Alfred Hitchcock made movies like Ordinary People. Amy Ryan as angry Mary Tyler Moore mother performance meets an adult thriller psycho. I give it a 10. Uh, that's a solid review. There, <laughs> uh, Jay Louise says it begins in an interesting way, but it gets diluted very fast. When I was in the middle of the story, I stopped being interested and its conclusion was hollow and weak. I give it four. Okay. Jay Louise got Didn't bored with it. Stephen. it. All right, Stephen, that's our Blu-rays for this week. Aren't you excited? Yes. Go ahead and pick that one up. Stephen, look out! Oh, Throw him the rope. Watch out for the crickets. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, why are there crickets? <laughs> All right, Stephen, uh, go hang out in the lounge. I'll be there in a I'll second. I'll be over here. Have yourself an alfresco. I believe in you. Thank you. Good night. Here all week, try the veal. And see. It's everywhere here. Stephen, how's that alfresco? <laughs> how's that alfresco, Stephen? It's fantastic. Whatever that means. Uh, that's. I'm so glad that's uh, good because I would like an uh, a um, uh, a Schwitz. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. This has been Entertainment Landfill. I'm your host, the Jstrom, and this is my co-host, Stephen, the pop culture zealot. Yes. This is episode 315 of the show, and uh, we've been doing the show 315 times. I don't, I'm just, I don't know what I'm talking about. We've done the show a lot. But guys, check out etlandfill.com. There you can find all of our podcasts, including the ETL Witcher Book Club. The Time of Contempt episode just came out, where we talk all about that book. Don't listen to it if you haven't read the book, because you're just going to hear us talking about a book you haven't read, and that kind of sucks. Read the book first, Which- if you want... Unless you just don't want to read a book. Yeah. You'll get, you... the, you'll get the Cliff Notes version. Also, if you want to do a book report and you don't want to read the book, listen to our show. Just uh, take notes from what we say and you'll probably get an A. <laughs> uh, don't cheat, guys. It's wrong. 
Guys, also, we are now proud members of Pod Syndicate. That's right. We have friends in high places. Don't mess with us. We'll have a trap door built under your seat, and you know what will happen. Crickets will chirp, and you know what else will happen? <laughs> You'll fall down a hole. That's right. Guys, visit wearepodsyndicate.com. There you can find our show, Entertainment Landfill, along with some other equally awesome podcasts like Beyond the Neon with Noel Miller, Chin Shroker vs. Punter, Film Bastards, his film, her movie, and What's on Tap. And Stephen, What's on Tap, do you know what that is? Sounds like a beer thing. Join two men as they journey through the bars and restaurants of Scandinavia to find the most amazing beers, always asking the same question, What's on Tap? Pretty cool, huh? Gotcha. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the show. If you'd like to send us some feedback, send it to nimpodcast at gmail.com. You want to send a voicemail like our buddies Ken and Adam Sexton, we'll play it on the show and you'll be an instant internet sensation. I can't quite figure out what words I'm going to say before I say them. Internet sensation, Stephen. Quit drinking before the show, Jason. I'm drunk and naked. (laughs) <laughs> Not really, I'm dressed. I'm fully clothed, Steven. I know. Seems like defective and shit. Okay. Now, if you. I was doing this remoted by Skype, I wouldn't be sure. That's disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening. Jessica, thank you so much for listening. She gave us an instant review. Thanks for another great show. Nice to get a live one. Yeah, that's right. We got a live one here. It's our show. I don't know what I'm talking about. But guys, my throat hurts. Let's go ahead and go. (laughs) What are you waiting for, guys? Go out there, watch some El Camino. Only if you've seen Breaking Bad. If you haven't, binge watch that entire series. Then watch El Camino. And then... a lot of watching. Then eat your food. Tina, you fat lard, come get some dinner. Yeah. The food. He just wants you to eat, Tina. Tina didn't look all that fat to me. And now, Stephen, here's a trumpet solo. Did you enjoy that? Yes. Here's some more. You know what? Matrix from Commando said that that was really good trumpet playing. I lied. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> All right, guys. See you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Say bye, Heather. Bye. See ya. Wait, ladies.
We're, I, I, what, what are we doing? Seems like defective and shit. Tina, you fat lard, come get some dinner. That's disrespectful. This podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate Valley. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.